1: This is On Boys Parenting Podcast. We are your co-host, Jennifer L.W. Fink, mom of four boys. And I'm Janet
0: Allison, teacher of many more. Thanks for joining us as we share real talk about parenting, teaching, and reaching tomorrow's men.
1: Today's show is brought to you by Strike Club, a low-maintenance, simple skincare line for boys. My guys use Strike Club ever since we were first sent a sample. And let me tell you, we've been sent samples of things before and they have collected dust. They've not been used. They used the Strike Club face wash. They used the Strike Club body wash. I have since reordered and it's almost gone again. That's a testimony. That's truth. That's my boys actually using products that can help their skin. And you know what? Their skin is clearer than it was before. You can try Strike Club as well. Your boys can. Go to strikeclub.com, S T R Y K E club.com, and use our discount code on boys and save 10%. It's strikeclub.com, discount code on boys. How can we help our boys grow into healthy men? That is a key question that we tackle here on On Boys, and it is a key concern for today's guest as well. Joining us today is Ted Bunch. He is the Chief Development Officer of A Call to Men, which is a violence prevention organization that grapples with male socialization and its intersection with violence. Ted is also a former director and co-creator of the largest program for domestic violence offenders in America co-author of the Live Respect curriculum, which is designed to prevent violence and bullying in schools and sports. And he is an advisor to the NBA. He's also worked with the NFL, the NHL, the MLS and MLB. And he was in the CBSN documentary, Raising Boys, alongside yours truly, Jennifer Fink. Ted, thank you so much for joining us today.
2: Thank you, Jennifer. Nice to be here. Thank you so much
1: in your opinion, you've been working in the space for quite a while. What are the biggest challenges that boys face today on the road to becoming healthy men?
2: That's a great question. And, you know, our boys are facing a lot of challenges today. And I think the biggest challenge is really allowing our boys to be their authentic selves, allowing them to show us and say to us, demonstrate to us who they really are and not as a parent or as a society, try to shape who we feel like they should become, but to allow them to kind of blossom, to really show who they are. So I think that's one of the greatest challenges. We've coined the term way back in the mid nineties, the man box. And that's really a, a short version, an abbreviated version of what we would call the collective socialization of manhood or male socialization. And that socialization really is something we continue to pass down to our boys and we expect them to adhere to. And some of those those notions of manhood, the rigid notions of manhood that are just not healthy, not only for women and girls and those who don't conform to gender at all, but for men and boys as well. Push our boys so that they don't express their feelings by telling them things like don't cry, right? And when we tell them not to cry, we're also telling them not to feel because they don't know the difference. They're just told to shut it down. And we tell them that in so many ways, you know, man, up. I don't want to hear all that. I'll give you something to cry about. How many, how many kids, you know, when, when I ask men what are the things they've told their boys to stop them from crying, some will say, I've told them I'll give you something to cry about. And, you know, a little perspiration gets on the top of my head when I hear that, because I remember hearing that also, right? Yeah because it just gets passed down from one generation to the next generation. Now, we're doing this with the best of intentions, thinking that we're raising our boys to be successful, but the, the construct that we're raising them to be successful in is one that's just wrong. It's one that really focuses on men being emotionless, men not asking for help, therefore a boy is not asking for help, right? And so we push our boys beyond their feelings to aggression, and then they see that reflected back to them in lyrics of music, in video games, in pornography. You know, it's, it's reported that about, about 80% of all fifth graders have already seen pornography. Yeah.
1: Fifth graders, context, we're talking like 11 years old.
2: Yes. Yeah. And they're seeing, it isn't the pornography that I saw with my uncle's magazine between his, you know, mattress, right? <laughs> right. That, that That looked like Victoria's Secrets in the mall today. Yeah, exactly. exactly. they're, they're seeing extreme violence, denigration, abuse, misogyny. Totally con- disconnected from any sort of passion or love. It's just awful, and it's so easy. And as parents, I know that that's your that's your demographic, and I'm a, I'm a parent also. And I've put all kinds of parental controls on my kids' phones, television, so forth. But guess what? They've all seen it because they're yeah. at Johnny's house. And I remember um, my kids, I wouldn't let them play Call of Duty till they were, you know, like 16. By the time I got them the game at 16, (laughs) they put it in, and they're pros. Yeah.
1: (laughs) Yeah, surprise. What's so hard and frustrating for me as a parent who is actively in this today, I am trying to raise boys in this culture because of the work I do. I ran across the term the man box. Years ago, and Janet and I use it all the time on this on this show. Mm -hmm. And I see it and I can see these things that we do reflexively to our kids. We as parents so often find ourselves spouting off those things that were said to us, like, I'll give you something to cry about. Mm -hmm. So I know all that, and I want to do things different. And I want things to be different for my boys. I want it to be safe for them to express their full authentic selves but society hasn't fully come along with this right. yet. So we've got teenagers who are living this reality and younger boys where they are you know, grappling for status. Yeah. And a lot of times being the stereotypical guy is the way they get it.
2: Yeah, and this is an important point that you bring up because we raise our kids, what they get from us at home, right? Is values, respect, hopefully they're being taught respect how to respect others, all of those things. So they have the answers in their head. But when they're around other boys because of this man box and how this man box dictates, it's very hard to assert yourself when you see something wrong. There may be a boy who, again, is not intentionally trying to harm girls or women, but he, or to be a bully, to be, uh, someone who treats, uh, someone who, a uh, classmate for instance, or a kid in another kid in the community who's maybe. Uh, Um, questioning his sexuality or a member of the LGBTQ transgender non-conforming community and teasing him about that, right? This is all, this is just ignorance that people are responding to, right? So our kids, you know, I want to believe if they knew better, they would do better. And I, and I, and I see that we, we, we see that in our curriculum. We see that with men also, we just don't know better, right? Because we're just on this remote control. So we, As parents, we share with our children, and I want to say this specifically to moms, but fathers who might be listening, is that we don't have the conversations as men to our boys that we need to have. We leave a lot of things as a given. He's my kid. He's around me all the time. He's in this family. We show everybody love. He's going to present that out to the world as well. So we don't even have conversations as men, right, about consent. Mm-hmm. Because we expect that our boys are going to be respectful f- toward girls, right? We don't have that conversation about consent. The only thing most, mo- most fathers who are listening right now, the conversations they have with their boys about consent is wear a condom, protect yourself, right? Now, we know this to be true. We've always known it to be true, but we have a curriculum called Live Respect, Coaching healthy, Respectful Manhood that's in middle schools and high schools around the country. There's a version of it in the UK and then there's the current version also in Kenya. And we wrote this with Scholastic. So it's very oh, sure. educationally friendly. It's doing really well. It's excellent, right? Awesome. Talks about gender uh, equity, gender equality, s- social norms around respect and gender boundaries, sexual uh, harassment in schools, Happens fifty 50 percent of all high school girls have already experienced sexual harassment in schools. I've had girls say, Well, when I go through the hallway, when I excuse me, when I go through the staircase and the boys are hanging out, it's like going through a construction site for adult women. Wow. Where do these boys learn this from? They learn it from us. And most of us are good men doing the right thing. So I just want to go back to the issue of consent. We asked boys, hundreds of boys around the country, great kids boys in your community and in my community, Mm -hmm. right? Very diverse sample. We wanted to be intentional about the diversity of the sample. We went from affluent white communities in California to indigenous communities on First Nation reservations in Minnesota. Black communities, brown communities, Uh, creative arts schools, religious schools. One of the questions we asked was, can you define consent? Only 19% of our boys, could define consent so 8 out of 10 could not wow which explains sexual assault in the military mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. sexual assault on college campuses why girls and women between 16 and 24 are at the highest rate of being sexually assaulted because our boys think no means try harder or get her drunk or she doesn't really mean it or she didn't say she didn't say no but she didn't say yes right and so we teach our boys that after the curriculum, and it's only a nine-week lesson plan, and only one of those focuses on consent. What's interesting is that number jumped from 19 to 75% could define consent. Nice. And I know that we've prevented sexual assault in that 19 to 75% jump because boys know, oh, she didn't say, she didn't say no, but her body stiffened up. Mm-hmm. You know, she didn't say no, but she wasn't enthusiastic. Right now, mind you, we took we talked to the boys about abstinence is something that we really encourage them. That it's really this is a really you're you're at a young time in your life to be making these decisions, right? So, I want the parents to to understand that we promote abstinence, but it's 2020, they seen pornography in fifth grade, right? You know
1: what, realistic here 1973 and 1993, like. These boys' parents, come on. If you weren't having sex in high school, you knew somebody who was.
2: Exactly.
1: So it's not new.
2: Exactly. And so this has been so successful in high schools. Originally, when we did the curriculum, when we wrote it, we we had a little um, qualification in the curriculum that was for middle schools. Hey, you may not want to do this consent lesson. Instead, you can use just, you know, let's talk about boundaries. And many of the schools said, oh, no. Our seventh graders are sexually active. Mm -hmm. You find them under the staircase giving oral sex. Mm -hmm. Right? So we also asked our boys, those same boys, if you are having sex with a a girl. Or
1: anybody for that matter.
2: Yes, thank you. Thank you. Or anybody for that matter. And that person wants to stop. Can they? And we asked boys specifically around girls for this one, right? But I agree with your point, absolutely. Because I don't want it to be a heteronormative conversation, right? Very important. We asked them and they said 41% no. Said, no, she can't. Where do they get that from? Yeah. Where- as a woman,
1: I want to pound my, my head. like, And I've been in those situations as a female. Janet, you probably have as well. Yeah.
2: Yeah. And so back to dads, We have to actually have the conversations with our boys. We're real clear about having conversations with our daughters about sex. We're very clear about that, you know? If I ask a group of dads, and even if I have women in the room, and I ask them to to play the role of dad, and I ask them, okay, when should your daughters have sex? You all know what the answer is. Never. We've never talked about it, but we know the answer, right? Never. When I ask them, when should your sons have sex? It's quiet in the room. Men are saying, hmm, let me see. He's going to college as a virgin, and Dad's scratching his head a little bit. What's going on with my son? So we can't have it both ways. So when, back to your original point around teaching our own boys, when, even though they may know the answer, we sit down and say, okay, you know how to respect a girl? Yes, Dad, of course I do. We go through that, right? They're trying to get through the conversation, but then they're around boys who, who might see a girl in a position of vulnerability. Or might see a girl that they can take advantage of, right? And they're not doing it because they're bad kids. They're doing it because they don't know better, right? I really want to make that clear. It's not like they're going to look for one, but they see one at a, at a party at college.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Right. She's drunk on the couch, right? So a boy takes her upstairs, comes back down, rapes her. He'd say he's having sex with her, but it's rape, of course. Goes back down to his buddy John, and John is afraid to not go up because he doesn't want to be outside of that man box, right? Which teaches all boys that girls have less value than than boys, men and women have less value than girls, that women are the property of men on some level. If if any of your listeners, I'm in your community and I see a man hitting his wife or girlfriend on the street right now, and I walk over to him and say, knock it off. He says what to me, mind your business, mind your business. Three women a day are killed in the United States from domestic violence. Seventy five percent of them right now. We lose more women to domestic violence every day than we lose soldiers in the conflicts around the world. That And we don't I don't want us to lose soldiers, but that's how serious it is that we don't lose three soldiers a day. And right. out of those three women, 75 percent of them are murdered once she says I'm leaving or yep. has left, which mm-hmm. says speaks to the issue of property. That man's belief is that if I can't have you, nobody can have you. You don't even belong to yourself. You belong to me. And I'm going to demonstrate that. So we have to have conversations as dads with our boys, like real conversations and walk them through what consent is, right? Um, how to respect other w- um, women and other people if you're in any kind of relationship. Um, and I do appreciate you bringing that up also because uh, my youngest son came out two years ago. He's, well, three years now. He's, a, he's going to be 18 this, this month, next month and uh, he came out at 15, and it's it's taught me so much about the experience Mm -hmm. of our our youth, especially. So we really have to have conversations as men about this issue around consent, respect for girls. And by the way, when I've had these conversations with my sons, it's always around, and if you're with a partner, and I I think about my oldest son, he's 22 now. Mine too. Oh, okay, when he was uh, starting to date at about 16, and I and I and I talk to him all the time about consent.
0: We are going to pause for a moment in this fascinating conversation about consent. And soon we'll hear how our guest speaks to his own son about consent. Taking a pause now for this message from Strike Club. Jen, I know your boys have been using this product for a few months now, mm-hmm. and you have noticed number one, the bottle getting empty. You've had to reorder. And number two, that their skin is clearer.
1: I have noticed that. And I will admit to also having used their face wash periodically as well, because it was there, it was on the counter and I wanted to try it out. Strike Club face wash and their body wash. I've tried that too. Clean, Very clean rinsing. It just feels good, easy to use, pleasant smell. It's not overly boy smelling, so mom can't use it in the shower too, but it's certainly not flowery or girly smelling either. My guys love this stuff, and I know that because they're actually using it.
0: And it sounds simple to use. There's not a lot of steps, so put it in there in the shower with your boys and watch it disappear. It's
1: the best part. If you buy a bottle of Strike Club body wash, which can be used on the face and on the body and put it in the shower, it will get used. I promise you.
0: So you can use a 10% discount code, use on boys and go to strikeclub.com to order S-T-R-Y-K-E club.com and get 10% off. What's better than that? And now let's hear how Ted talks to his son about consent.
2: Well, Okay, son, we're going to have a conversation. It might be when we're just driving, um, my eyes are on the road. He might be in the passenger seat or in the back seat and say, hey, you know how things go with blah, blah, blah. Oh, have you blah, 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 right? So it's not this threatening kind of, oh my God, we're having a serious conversation. Right. The um, talk.
1: I like cute clothes. I like having stylish outfits and I hate shopping. Armoire makes getting dressed easier. Armoire is a clothing rental membership option. And Janet and I recently have both tried it out and you guys, it is so much fun. You go to their website, you get to take a little quick style quiz, takes five minutes, and then you get presented a list of beautiful clothing, pictures, wonderful clothes that you can pick out and get delivered to your house for you to try and wear in the comfort of your own home without going out and determine what looks cute, put together outfits without investing a ton of money. Right now, our listeners can give Armoire a try and get up to 50% off your first month. That is up to $125 off. Just visit envoys. That's armoire.style, A-R-M-O-I-R-E, dot style slash on boys to get 50% off your first month and never have to worry about what to wear again. Try armoire today. We all know that vitamins can help fill nutritional gaps in our diet, but a lot of us don't like to take vitamins because we don't like swallowing pills. Three month supply of Easy Melts Vitamin D three with your first purchase. To claim your free D3, visit try.easymelts.com slash envoys. That's try try dot easymelts easy dot com forward slash envoys.
2: But I also said to him if and he's involved with a woman unlike my youngest son who's who dates boys if she is further along or wants to experience more than you do and you're not ready for that that's okay I want you to say no I'm not ready for that that's not comfortable for me let's wait like that's really important because boys don't feel like they can do that
0: yeah Mm. like
2: they have to do something, and they have to perform that it's required. And if they don't, they've fallen short of this manhood, the man box, that collective socialization of manhood. But that other thing that we've been taught uh, to our boys, and and we reinforce as men around not only less value for women and girls, property of men, but also that women and girls are sexual objects, and we're supposed to always treat them that way.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which is reinforced, as you said, by pornography, by the media, by the music that they're listening to. Yes. And Ted, you're talking a lot about what dads ought to say to their sons. And yet I believe that our dads haven't had, they didn't grow up with the curriculum like live respect. So, and I talk about this often of Our dads now being at this crossroads of we're trying to have this greater consciousness and awareness, and yet they likely did not get it from their fathers. And so they're kind of (laughs) pool of, okay, I think I know what I'm supposed to do, but I'm not really sure what to say or how to say it. What would you say to those dads who are feeling a little lost in knowing they should have this conversation, but also being really uncomfortable with it.
1: I just also want to add in that in a lot of cases, that's almost the best case scenario because there are also still a lot of dads who haven't wrestled with their own stuff, who don't even realize that a lot of what they believe and frankly, even how they interact with other people is really role modeling the exact kinds of things we don't really want our boys doing. So how do we solve that, Ted?
2: Oh, those are two really great questions. I'm going to take the latter first, where where it seems that men don't care.
1: I don't know or, if it's I don't know if I'm really saying they don't care. I think they may not be aware. I know of a dad who is now you know in middle age has teenage boys. I happen to know the dad's history is that he had very early sexual experience mm-hmm. that. To this day, he won't tell you it was unwanted, but yet he was way too young to, to consent in any oh, meaningful way, which has affected his whole life and attitudes.
2: Oh sure. Okay. But hasn't dealt with saying. any of that. I see what you're saying. I stand corrected. OK, I, 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 I misheard. OK. That brought up a couple things. One is that statistics show that one in six men have had unwanted sexual experiences as a child. So molestation rape sodomy right that happened to men right Mm -hmm. so the statistics are of course much higher with girls but that happened well it it happened with boys but there are men now reporting that right Mm -hmm. thousands and thousands of cases so it's rampant and we don't talk about it because all the shame around those things just in general but then when you add the layer of this masculinity that we're supposed to live up to And how we're never supposed to be vulnerable and we're never supposed to show any kind of emotion around things, how that closes men off even more. So you have these men who are um, in pain and uh, hurt and have never had an outlet for that, right? So I just want to acknowledge that, that that's something that's real and, and terrible. And even there, though, most of those perpetrators are men. So it really gets back to us no matter how we slice it, right? Mm-hmm. So, you know, I think that there's, there's men who also, and you said he had sons. When fathers have daughters, we become, there's something that changes for us around our perspective of women and girls, right? We start to say, oh, this I need to care a little bit more. I need to pay more attention. But even there, we're only paying attention to the girls and women in our life. Mm. Not having the same value with those women who are not connected to us, right? That's part of that collective socialization. I'm supposed that
1: to property pre- thing.
2: Yes, right. I'm supposed to protect everything that's mine. Mm-hmm. And if it's not, she doesn't have anyone to protect her. Well, that's not my fault. You uh. know, I'm protecting what's mine. So it's absolutely the property thing. We continue to uh, have challenges around that. And the other question, just around that conversation with, uh, with our boys that awkwardness it's so awkward as dads because we don't have the language we don't know how to talk to these kids because no one talked to us so yeah. we'll say okay you know the wife or girlfriend will say are you, you going to have the conversation with John you know to a dad okay I'll have the conversation we sit down with John okay John uh so you're dating now uh are you wearing a condom uh are you having sex okay good talk yeah yeah <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah. Right, so we don't even have the we don't have the word for it. Even now, in two thousand twenty, post Me Too, everything has shifted for men. It's an exciting time for men. It doesn't feel like that for some men. We don't have our footing. We're the first generation of men having to deal with this. We're the first generation of men uh, having to be held accountable for things that men have always gotten away with. Mm -hmm. So we don't have the language on the footing and occult men's trying to lead the way in that with, especially around language. And that it's not women gaining equity, equality, respect, value does not take away from men. It actually adds to our humanity.
0: There's still the practical aspect of how do, how do we reach the dads? And I know you're doing work in that area and it's so important and we have a long way to go.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, we do, we do, we do. We're getting, we're, I, I really hope that we're getting there, though, because this has been a great time of reflection for men, forced reflection for some. Mm-hmm. But there's not a man that exists that I've met, and I've done a lot of work in high schools, colleges, professional sports, military, law enforcement, corporate America. There's not a man who hasn't either sexually objectified a woman, done something or said something, or witnessed another man doing something or saying something and did nothing about it. Yeah, Mm -hmm. And I can feel pretty confident in that because one of the ways we prove that we're men is to objectify women. That's one of the ways we pass the test. And if we don't pass it, we're humiliated and punished for it and called less of a man for it. You know, with your, with your, with your audience, I think about, you know, our high school boys, you know, if there's a first, if there's a, if there's a young man, let's say he's a great kid, a junior in the high school in your community, wonderful young man. Uh, very well respected in the community, treats everyone well, you know, even looked up to in the community. And he takes a young woman out who's also, let's say, a junior. They go to the movie on a Friday night. And his name's John and her name's Kathy. And John, before he takes Kathy out to the movie, gets on a group text with a few of his buddies and says, hey, guys, I'll hit you up later. I'm going to take mm-hmm. Kathy out to the movie, right? And, the, and, you know, his buddies will give him a little bit of crap for that. Ah, yeah, go ahead, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs>
1: you know, you all can't see me right now, but I'm over here, like, nodding my head and cringing because I have a high school junior, uh-huh. and this is all too real. Like, yeah. you can have a kid who's got the best values and the best intention, yeah. but that pressure is yes, intense. Yes, yeah. yes,
2: yes. So he goes to the movies with Kathy, takes her home, as your son would. Perfect gentleman. I'm hoping. he gets back on the group text and it says, Hey, I'm back. Is the first thing they're asking him is how was the movie? No, of course not. Where do they learn that from? Like where does that come from? That's the collective source. So they're getting these messages everywhere that, and then if your son or John happens to say, I just want to get to know her. I don't, I'm not trying to get anything from her. Or I'm not trying to have her put out or anything like that. They'll say some things about that. Now, I want to clarify or, or emphasize that that young man who took Kathy out and those other boys on the group text are not bad kids trying to harm no. the girls. But here we are, and women and girls have the potential of being harmed because of how we teach our boys to be men. And that's where we have to interrupt. So we as men have to be different and we have to talk differently and we have to impact culture with culture. The movies, the games, the music, all of those things have to be reflected of healthy, respectful behavior.
1: You know what? While we have you here, you mentioned culture and the role of culture. You've worked with sports a lot. Mm -hmm. As we are recording this, it is a few days after Kobe Bryant was killed in a helicopter crash. Mm -hmm. And this has been a challenging topic for a lot of parents, and a lot of people to wrestle with. Many, many, many people admire Kobe and admire his relationship with his family and his work ethic. And I think all of those things are admirable. Now, my children were not even alive when the rape allegation was in the news. So a lot of our kids didn't know that, are seeing it in the news now. Boys are wrestling with things like, well, so you do one thing wrong and should that define you? How do we talk to our kids about these complicated issues.
2: Yeah, this is really a interesting time and challenge. So this is a really challenging time. Uh, this conversation is really, it's very, it's very nuanced, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. It's very nuanced conversation. And more than one thing can be true at the same time.
1: I want to repeat that because that is so important to the work that we do as parents, teachers, coaches, humans, yeah. More than one thing can be true at the same time. And we have to make room for all of it.
2: Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, this is such a tragic, unbelievably tragic circumstance with the death of, I think it was nine people, nine. right? I mm-hmm. think so And all too. of them, all of them as important as the next. Right? Yes. It's so, so sad. And, and I just think about the families and what they must be going through. I just, I can't imagine. I don't even want to. I didn't turn on the television mm-hmm. that next day because it was just, it was just, I just didn't, it was just too much.
1: And every parent who's heard about it imagines those moments. And it's, yeah. you know, I can see it having an effect on you as we're talking and I'm tearing up. It's just yeah. horrifying.
2: Yeah. More than one thing can be true at the same time. Um, so well, uh, You know he was a basketball legend and that he had a great impact on a lot of people and he also was charged for this uh rape and um actually had apologized it's the 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 closest thing to an apology that i had heard from someone who was such celebrity um that had you know recognized that he had done done something wrong you know and i didn't really realize that until there was an article yesterday that came out that actually quoted him in what he had said and mm-hmm. I was like wow that was that was accountability and uh, now it doesn't and there was also a lawsuit I think he, uh, there was also a settlement of some there kind. was yeah. but but you know and not to excuse the behavior in any way but um, I do feel like it seemed like he was a man who acknowledged that uh he saw he had done something wrong and i just want to hold the survivor's pain in this moment too right yes because it must be a tremendous tremendous post-traumatic experience for her i would think right Mm -hmm. and he's Mm -hmm. and he's lifted up as this Hero, and she's experienced this pain no matter what the amount of money and no matter what the apology is, the pain is still there. It is something that, as I look at men and our behaviors, and even as I mentioned, the post Me Too um, experience that men are going through is that we finally have to look at how we're impacting other people. Like male privilege and entitlement is being challenged in ways that it never has before. And that brings hope to me. You know, and I think that we can continue. I'm hoping that we're going to continue to move this conversation and certainly a call to men will. I mean, this is our mission. We find that when men know better, they do better. They want to be good men. Yes. The issue is really, and this is why we have the conversations with men, that it's important that men are being called out and that men have been called out, but it's really just as important for us to be intentional about calling men in because that's where the healing happens. That's where men behave differently. That's where we start confronting other men. That's where we learn that, oh, women aren't here just to serve me, right? And that it's never an indictment of manhood, but always an invitation to men. So we need to meet men where they are. And that's really what I wanna let the male audience who might be listening, uh, is that this is not an indictment on manhood, but it's an invitation to men For us to be better and different, myself included. I've been doing this work for over 25 years and I'm still learning things about my own socialization.
0: I can imagine many women in our listening audience are saying, Here, honey, listen to this episode. So hopefully, we are getting the word out to more men that there's an avenue, there's resources, because I absolutely believe with you, Ted, that men want to be good
2: men want to be good men and want to know how to be good men. So the problem is we think we are and right. no one's, and no one's challenged that, but, but th- those thoughts, those thoughts are based on men's experiences, not women's. Cause if we listen to women's experiences or people of color or the LGBTQ transgender, non-conforming uh, individuals in our life, community, and workplace, they'll let us know that, Oh no, you have some work to do because this is how you impact me. <laughs>
1: You know, I think that there are some boys, I I know some teenage boys for sure, because I've heard this said in my house, but both by my children and friends and some men who sort of feel like, Hey, you changed the goalposts. Like we thought we knew what to do to be a good man. And now you're changing the rules on us. And we're kind of pissed off because it's easier to be pissed off than, you know, dig into it. What can we all do to help support each other through this transition? Our communal expectations are changing.
2: That's a great point. And isn't it interesting that men and boys feel like we've changed the goalposts? Doesn't that speak to our privilege? Yeah. Because guess what? We didn't put up the goalposts. I'm talking about women, members of the LGBTQ, transgender, non pe- people of color. It was men who put up the goalposts. So now that we, have, now that others have a say in the goalposts being changed. Little input. <laughs> right. yeah. it's like, well, wait a minute, hold on. Wait, 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 wait who changed the rules well society changed the rules fortunately now the good news for men and boys is that yeah you know it's a little uncomfortable at times and we gotta really say oh boy you know i thought i was this guy doing the right thing and excuse me maybe i am part of the problem because of my silence domestic violence sexual assault toward women and girls is the leading cause of is a, is a leading cause of injury to women and girls and most of that is done by men most men don't do it but we're silent about those that do and that's as much of the problem as the violence and abuse is. The sexist joke at the water cooler, or, or I guess it would be at the Keurig now. <laughs> the <right>? Keurig. <laughs> In the workplace, the sexist joke at the Keurig has to be challenged. And if we challenge it as men, the guy's not gonna say another joke. You yeah. know, right. he's not right. gonna do it. He's gonna be like, oh, whoa, 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 okay, that didn't go over well, right? If a woman is walking down the hallway and one man sees another and looks at the woman and nods, and I don't nod back, or I shake my head with disapproval, he's not gonna do that again, and he's learning lessons. We're re-socializing men, right? So it's really an exciting time for men. It's also not only a time to reflect, but to reset, right? Where I can now say to my buddy, hey, we don't do that anymore. Where have you been? Aren't you watching TV? Come on, you know, we're mm-hmm. different men now, right? And that the liberation of men is directly tied to the liberation of women. So. We have a lot to gain from it because it then allows me to be my authentic self. You know, there's a lot of things that hold us back with our own collective socialization of manhood that I can't do. One of the things is ask for help, Mm -hmm. right? Go to the doctor when when to prevent something as opposed to intervening when something has gone so far wrong because i'm 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 not supposed to go to the doctor i'm not supposed to show vulnerability depression and anxiety of men is at a high level and we don't get help for that suicide of men is like four times greater than women and suicide with young boy um excuse me with males teens tweens is much higher than with girls. So this man box is not only killing women and girls and those who don't conform to gender at all, but it's killing men and boys as well. So there's something really wrong. It isn't us giving something up. It's actually us gaining something. I love that.
1: You have created all of these wonderful resources and curriculum. Where can people find them? If we have educators listening? coaches parents may want to share this with their children's schools
2: we're, we're on social media at a call to men and even more is on the website a call to men.org. and what you'll find there are a couple of things i'd like love for the parents to pay attention to and if there's uh, men listening or if there's women who want to share something from this podcast that is um uh, that kind of summarizes the importance of the conversation is um the co-founder Tony Porter, He's, he and I founded the organization together 18 years ago.
1: You know, it was his TED Talk where I first learned oh. about the man box. And I oh, have shared that go. time and time and time again. Okay. We'll put a link in our show notes, everybody. Thank you.
2: Well, that's, what I would, that's great. I'd ask to share that with folks because it's about 11 minutes long, and it really covers everything that is the most important pieces of this in a short amount of time. And we want to give something, man, quick and to the point, you know, it's, you know, I like the headlines of the newspaper. I don't need to read every story. Right, right. <laughs> Just
1: give right. me facts, <laughs> not the details. Yeah. Except the
2: ones I write. <laughs> right. And one of the ones I really want to point out to parents is called What I've Learned Since My Son Came Out. And it really speaks to, as a man, as ready and as aware as I thought I was yeah. for my son to come out. Because I, his, his mom and I uh, expected him to be gay very early on. And I use the word expected with love and not suspected i mean we were waiting to embrace him to come into his own you know so we sell it we were it was a celebration when he finally went through his phase of questioning into accepting who he is but even with that as aware and ready as i thought i was there were things that came up for me that brought challenges to me and there's also 10 things dad should know at the end of that around having a child who is, does not conform to the binary or is gender nonconforming in some way, which really speaks to, you know, their own autonomy that let them come out by themselves,
1: mm-hmm. you know,
2: don't overdo the celebration, like, you know, pump the brakes. Like cool. there's, there's really a lot of things there, how right. to also support them the best you can, you know, and to accept that they, you know, I have kids who are athletes. My youngest son is the youngest, and he dances, sings, and acts. Nice. Right?
1: We've covered that. Talk about man box influence that tells our boys. We did a whole podcast. Boys can't dance. Yes, they can. Yes,
2: they can. And let me tell you something. My son, who's a basketball player, lacrosse player, my oldest boy, when he goes to his younger brother's events... And see some dance. I say, You think your basketball team can do that? He said, No, Dad. We, we yeah. wouldn't be able to do that. Six hours, six hours That's every great. day of rehearsal. He said, No, we wouldn't be able to do that. said, you know, I said, You damn right you would.
1: You <laughs> know, I love the vulnerability that you express talking about that piece and writing that piece, what you learned, because we've talked about it here in the podcast before, Janet. Parenting is the world's greatest self-improvement project, mm-hmm. if you allow it to be. Parenting will show you exactly that you're not as far along as you thought you were in some areas that you still have some work to do. It will, it will bring whatever weaknesses or outdated beliefs you have and just slap them right back in your face. And we have a choice. We can push that away or we can wrestle with it and grow alongside our children.
2: Yeah. Yeah. No, I appreciate that. And it, it, it does teach us a lot. I'm learning now about letting go. You know, I don't have to, the, the youngest is 17, almost 18. And I don't have to cut his food for him anymore. You know, You hey, hey. <laughs>
0: know, sometimes you want to. <laughs> I know. Right. Right. <laughs> uh,
2: so also on the website of call the curriculum is available. It's free.
1: Free right? people. Yes. That is such an yeah. easy sell for your cash strap yeah. schools. It is it's free. free. Yes,
2: it's free. And, so, and, and also, it's a, uh, the lesson plan, the curriculum, and also uh, a coach's guide. And we use the word coach. It could be a parent, a teacher. We just use the word coach because it's a, it's a more intimate, more of a connected. We, we just felt coach was more of what we want to do, encouragement. So it's all free. And then there's also a webinar. It's about two and a half hours that goes through the lesson plan, takes you through the lesson plan. And uh, I narrate it. And that was also done with scholastic. Then you can print out uh, like a certification at the end and then you can use it to implement. And we can bring it to people's schools. You know, we one of the ways we raise money is by a fee for service. So we can come into a school and train the teachers to then implement the curriculum. Mm -hmm. We do that quite a bit. There is a cost to that, but if you want to learn it on your own, it's certainly free and online at a call to men.org. Wow,
0: what a valuable resource. Thank you. Hope there's some people out there called to action to Thank to you. take this and bring it to their schools. Absolutely.
2: And also, if you sign up for our mailing list online and go to info at a call to you can also, people can send an email to us and and, and I'll be sure to get that as well. Info nice. at a call to men.org.
1: Like you, Janet and I are both really excited for the future. You know, we have these conversations on a weekly basis. We are talking to parents and teachers. Things are changing. It's going to take time. And we all still need to stay involved but there is a better future ahead for our boys for our men girls women gender non-conforming people we are working towards a safer more respectful future for all of us
2: amen
0: thanks for being with us ted
2: thank you thank you very much <laughs>
1: Thanks for joining us. We are Jennifer L.W. Fink and Janet Allison, and we are here to support you in parenting and teaching tomorrow's men.
2: Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop.